Initially, I was even expecting a full house for this for tonight's episode, but I guess it is what it is. It's a Monday night, and at least I have some members of the crew with me. Oh, did I forget to mention? It's the About Nothing podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for always listening to us and what have you. Um, it's a Monday night, and I have a limited here. Like it's practically yawning. It feels like uh, we should not be doing this at this point. I'm sure if Lemonji was, as far as it's concerned, we'll be recording like twelve in the afternoon. Or maybe two yeah, the, or something. When Edali yeah, I'm yawning because the first round of the NBA playoff is getting boring. Yeah, so can we just get over it's with it? Boring. Are <laughs> you normal? Because you won one game at Memphis, now it's getting boring. <laughs> can you at least win this series first before you start bragging? We are done with this anyway. series now. You, you, you all know it is what it is. I don't know. I really do not. I don't know that at all. But um. I'm not stuck with Bright alone. I'm currently in the house. Kunle, I, I hope you are not bragging. Anyway, there's nothing to brag about. The thunder have gone in, so... Yeah, it's very soon. Lakers will join us at all. Like they go do... Ilela was limiting with Lakers now. I think the best place to start now is... Kunle, there's something I don't understand. Like, we all know the rules. Like... There are rules of life everywhere. Every country has their own laws. And some things you can't do here, some things you can't do there. In developed countries, we all know for a fact that your wife requests for um, a divorce. At some point, you are giving up 50% of your earnings since, at least since you got married to her. You're going to give her 50%. She basically owns the house. She can't chase you out of the house. And vice versa, because we saw Adele's husband do the same thing to her and what have you. So for these people are like, oh, Akimi is the standard. Akimi is the smartest. Akimi is an Ashake. Akimi is a Gbonsolik. All these things. It, and I'm wondering, if Akimi is as smart as we are claiming that he is, why didn't he sign a prenup? Then, it now begs the question of, you married someone, you found a way to say, oh, all my finances, it's of my finances, of everything is going to my mother's accounts. Now, you are, you cheated, you are accused of rape, your wife obviously can't take it anymore. Files for a divorce. And I'm like, ah, no problem. I have the divorce. For me, I know girl's issue. My net worth is zero. Or is shikini. All my money is under my mom's name. And the whole world seems to have gone nuts. Like, yeah, this dude is the standard. Yeah, because a lot of time, men are, men are weird. Like, weird people. Because, first of all, a lot of this story about him is all confirmed. Especially the story of putting his assets in the world. Like, there have not been any reputable places putting this information out. Basically, it basically started from one Instagram post and everybody's running it. And obviously, that is how stuff works a lot of times, whereby, whereby truth is second to, should I say, agenda or bias. And again, the way you are saying that, oh yes, um, Akimi is smart. He's not going to swindle her with money. Because his wife is also a famous actress. Like, she has money. It's not like she came to steal a famous money for it. Like, again, we are telling these people are not reading any of this information. They just saw what was, what was available online, what fits with their mantra, and they ran with it. So I'm surprised if a week from now, reports coming out, okay, a lot of this has been disproven, that's what they go for. Anyway, um, I don't know if Elementary has started moving his finances into another person's name just to secure the future. Alluding to what 
Kuli rightly said, a lot of like it is just the new culture of social media. Like everybody just wants to everybody wants to have an opinion. The fact that social media web three is now read, write, and comment has made it so easy for people to just you know what everybody has an opinion and so a, a lot of these things as like a lot of the facts have not even been brought to light yet though from the little i've i've read was that he started he started receiving wages in his mom's account since he was 16 because of financial mismanagement his mother was managing his accounts for him and all of that so it, even the narrative that is being tried to spawn is not even correct in the sense that he didn't move his assets to his mother's name. It was not an S SPV deal in the sense that um, what did um, the divorce law and all of that. So even if that was like, it was not like it was a strategic move and all of that. So it's just the fact that social media and the buzz that comes with everybody wanting to spin in reality, if it's not LGBTQ plus minus division tomorrow. So it is just the yearn for something new and people just want something to talk about. It's on everybody's status. Somebody that does not even know the club he plays for is saying, uh, I want to be like Ashraf Hakimi and all of that. So uh, there are many ways to... Though this loss obviously favor women, but <laughs> in the same vein, there are many loopholes to this loss. In all honesty, I don't even care about loopholes. If you are smart, I don't know if you guys know Steven Jackson, the former NBA uh, <laughs> basketball player. Who Mama, Mama signed this thing. Before marrying his wife, he insisted that I want a premium. The wife was like, eh, I will sign this. I will sign it. I gave me time. Okay. A month before the marriage, I want a prenup. She was like, I will sign this. I will sign, sign it later. Um, a week before, he said the same thing. A day before, he said the same thing. He brought the prenup documents to the author and said, sign this thing. And she was like, no. And he, canceled, and he said, marriage is off. Straight to the, and he went straight to the club. That's all gone for me. That's being smart. I'm not committing myself. I know the, the rules. I know the laws. I know how, we, and rightfully so, because in this part of the world where we live in, all this underdeveloped country, a man that cheated and has done all kinds of, or even beat his wife, or physically abused or emotionally abused his wife, can wake up one morning and chase her out of the house with nothing for her to fall back on. And those are the laws that enslave women. I, I understand those developed countries' laws that legit, like women need to be protected, women and children, especially need to be protected. But do not tell me that. Let's even say, let's even say, like, oh, the, the rumors are true and everything we have read so far in the tabloids are correct. Don't now make it seem like, oh, Akimi is the smartest man to walk the planet since um, Aristotle or something. Yeah, and something, um, regarding what Bright said, that even if the story that, like, the reason why his money and his finances and his assets and his money because yeah, started personal purposes about the age of 17. And she having not because of financial money. It's not because she decided by the middle of the marriage that, oh, yeah, I'm going to be already in I'll just transfer that. Like, it's not a cartoon now. Like, and people are still thinking like this. It's not a cartoon. 
Uh, away from Akimi stuff, back to more, more serious football matters. I don't know if you guys saw the CBS Champions League show during the week where um, Kit Abdul asked Thierry Henry about the fight against racism, if any progress has been made. And Thierry Henry flat out said, and my characters as well, said flat out said no progress. The same racism experienced in the early 2000s, the 1999-ish. It's still going on now because only how on God's earth, like it was bad enough. I think we said it on this podcast. Yeah. It was bad enough that Lukaku was given a yellow card. The second yellow card was sent off, and the card wasn't rescinded. And they said, Oh, let's punish Juventus by saying, Oh, this section of like one quarter section of the stadium will just close it. That's your punishment for racially abusing a black player. That's all, just close it and don't come back. Then some people are like, we oh, rescind this yellow card, rescind Lukaku's suspension. The Italian was like, nope, we don't care about that. It's the so, To make matters worse, a week last week, sometime last week, Italian FA came outside the king and said, Oh, remember that band that we gave Juventus that we should partially close some part of their stadium? We've rescinded that too. The, those people that are initially abusing can come back and watch the game. We don't really care about racism. But the next thing you will hear at some point is somebody running to the forefront to say, oh, Syria doesn't have money, the league is bad, it's unfair. And you're wondering, these things play constitute part of creating a good league too. The racism is there and the reaction is not surprising. What surprised me last week was that after all these things, then I saw an article, someone wrote an article on ESPN praising Juventus action because they said they were looking for people responsible. That's, that's basically what they said. And people yes, it's not even the bare minimum. Like they did not say they're going to they said they were looking for those responsible. And people were like, yes, why they said we back for this. And someone uh, mentioned that how would the black player events to feel at the end of this club? And the thing is that even the black players know because in twenty nineteen we saw what um fans did to Moist Ken. And his own mind yeah. everyone was like a student that provoked them and that they shouldn't have and Respected them to what to be racist to people, like, like you should have allowed them to be racist and then move on or tell them thank you. Or what this is the same leak that when Montari reported very recently about sentence, it was yellow carded and then it was wow. then interest work of the picture was sent off. Like, it's the same, so like a completely ridiculous leak, the same whereby Lazio fans have faced have been found guilty of so many racist comments. And they've never faced any punishment. As best is fines and they've been rescinded. Like, and at some point, at some point, just wonder if anything really be done. Especially in Syria, like it feels like the league feels like a lost cause in this in terms of social issues. As in, let's even move beyond Syria for a moment, Bryce, because let's even move beyond sports. Because when you listen to the fact that Allegri is telling his own black player that you are the one that provoked the fans and blaming the victim, you know, like for someone who has lives outside the country, it begins to show you that this is not even a sports thing anymore. Like, this is a deep-rooted culture thing. Like, the average white person sees the black person and are like, nah, you're shit to me, man. I think, I, I think we are way past that um, point of having this kind of conversations because, like I said, I think it was last season when, or two seasons ago, when I started this new yada, 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 and I was like, you know what? This is just a waste of our time. It's just aesthetics. It's just a makeup to make everything look good and all of that. Um, I, I have, I have, I have a friend in Italy, and the way she expresses racism <laughs> in Italy is is in a dimension that I've never seen before. It's it's almost like it's a way of life for them. Like it's not like 
they just instinctively think that you know what my your the pigment of your skin is black you you are not worthy of like breeding the same ai breed like and she she has on one case or the other outrightly told me that somebody has said something very related to that so it is just the way they think it is just who they are and i might sound ridiculous now <laughs> i think the the racism in Italy is even better because it is more it is more obvious than places like England where it is embedded in like it is systemic it is embedded in the DNA and they try to like uh, they package it like the old kick racism out of 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 football team in itself is a racist organization the foundation itself controversies have happened within that particular foundation and how they have they have targeted black people maybe for some black people there was somebody that even blackmailed with Fred Zaha for saying he's not going to take the nail like you are claiming you are fighting for me but you are not fighting me for not doing something you say I should do so <laughs> I think like Thierry rightly said it is not different from when um, Daniel Alves Samueletto were stoned in Spain with a banana. It's not different. The only thing is now is is commercialized. Like they ca we can now package it. Like imagine, imagine the old Lukaku scene. You are saying it provoked the fan. And the, the fact is, if you go into discussions with Italians, like it, it, it looks like, like a norm. It looks like uh, he's provoking us now. So if he's provoking us, we can make monkey chant our team. We can call him a monkey. Like is the logic that comes into trying to explain things that that though in our constitution is not criminal but like i've always said if racism is made to be a partly maybe i don't know what they call it in law maybe partly criminal offense you would see that at least to a reasonable extent all of this would reduce drastically. It's the fact that they know that, okay, nothing can happen. And, you know, you know, there were different angles. I saw different captures of fans actually chanting racist comments at Lukaku. And they are saying they are investigating. They are trying to fish them out. Are you kidding me? Even without my reverse engineering, just the, just the Instagram handles alone of people that posted, these guys were happily posting these videos. You can go and check. Like, you see different angles of these videos from different positions in the stadium. So, I don't I don't, I don't even think you need to pay me 10,000 euros for me to help you fish these guys out. So, what is the investigation? And somebody's writing a article to celebrate the fact that... And, <laughs> like, is like I can go on and on and on and on about this and this... It is at the point you start getting infuriating because you'll be like, okay, what are they actually doing? Like when they claim to spend billions of dollars on trying to fight racism, you're like, eh. The same money you use to publicize uh, LGBTQ, if you actually use it to, if you use half of that budget into racism, you know that, like actual actual work into fighting racism, would we'll, we'll get somewhere. The funny part about this is. In the in the UK, at least in the UK and in other countries, I know for a fact that if you are found guilty of racial abuse, you're going to get arrested. I don't know what the punishment is exactly, but one way or the other, one way or the other, it's seen as a like, as a crime. 
But the thing is, you're also spot on when you say because the punishment is ludicrous. Let's even say for 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 some logical reason, the the decision that the decision should be partially closed wasn't rescinded. How do you tell me that a team that racially abused a black player and opponent should they say, okay, no, let's just close some part of the stadium and tell them not to come for the next match? That's your punishment for racially abusing someone, like racially abusing someone. Until this fan starts to know that, okay, if I racially abuse a player, maybe there's like a nine-point or a six-point deficit. Nobody's going to do it. Imagine if you do it 10 times in a season. That's minus 60. Your team is automatically relegated. You know for a fact that, Omo, I'm not doing this. Like, we're not going to do this. But those in charge, like Tierney rightfully pointed out, those in charge, UEFA, FIFA, it's just aesthetics. We would banner equality, say no to racism, and blah, blah, blah. Taking it. It's just showmanship. Oh, let's not, let's not feel like I say, we push the hashtag respect and all these funny, funny things. So uh, at the end of the day, it just shows that as far as those in charge are concerned, racism is not important. But I bet you, the minute the owner of another podcast should post the highlights of the Premier League game now. If I post it now, before we finish they recording this they episode, bring, they, they will block the account. They will block the account before we finish recording this episode. They will have closed the account. So it just shows you that okay, priorities. These people have different priorities, and those in charge do not really care. Um, Kule, we thought okay, if Arsenal win every other game that they are supposed to play, then if they get a draw to City or they find a way to get a result, at least after the City game, they are still on top. There's a chance to win the league. But somehow, it seems to be dropping points because how do you go from completely dominating and controlling the first 30 minutes of the game against West Ham to hanging on for a draw? Yeah, I think I said it last week that uh, we are here to see what Arsenal look when the pressure is on. And somebody made the point that in yesterday's games, they were so comfortable with those first 30 minutes that the moment the uh, West Ham turned the pressure, they did not know how to react. And again, that shows like the difference between a team who wants to be champions and a team who is probably going to fall short. Because they are supposed to deal with those kind of situations. They are supposed to ride those kind of scenarios. If they struggle, grind out that three, those three points and, and basically just leave, leave that team. And in another season, it probably won't matter. Like, okay, maybe five years ago, it probably won't matter. But okay, yes, we are still on course for like 90 points and, and above. Well, the thing is, if you are facing against an opponent like Matthew, whereby you can have 97 points and it won't be enough, you can have 99 points and it won't be enough, every point is important. Because there were times when Arsenal were dropping points um, in February, so our fans were like, oh, yes, this, this is fine, you can get away with it now. With fans, you can get away with it. Like, if you don't. Deal with Mass in December and they get and they start getting ahead of team in April or so, they're going to be hard to stop. And the problem, one problem with you don't want Master having, having a target, especially with you. But now, Master, you know, like, if they win every game, they won't be no matter what um, A does B, no B does it's no longer their business again. They, they are basically focused on that. Oh, yes, you have nine game plays. If you win those nine games, you are going to be champion, and that is. That is that's basically it. And the problem I like, the worry I have for Arsenal is that three weeks from now, let's say if all goes as many predict and go on top, that, that mentality will have to shift from we are top of the table to we are chasing Arsenal. There's going to be a lot of pressure. And again, they still have Newcastle away. They still have they still have to play Brighton. Like those are big those are big games. 
fuck. Like so, like I I I won't be surprised if Arsenal still go on to win the league. But I I don't I don't think they will. Again, this call is serious. And once that adversity have been set for the past two games now, once that adversity set, it seems to have been that. Um, Elemaj has been on the Arsenal bandwagon for a while now, and he has been telling us and anybody that wants to believe that he believes that they can do it. But now, um, Brad, is it a case of okay, Arsenal sleeping up or they're not strong enough, or they are they are running, they are chasing like the monster that is chasing them just cannot be dealt with. Like you're you're fighting against the impossible monster in Man City. Yeah, um, I I think it's more fighting an enemy that almost always wins. And it's the fact that, considering that there are less than 10 games, Man City is a, is a team that can go on a, on a straight rally of winning 10 games without dropping any single point. And I think the pressure is getting to them. Uh, they were in positions where they could have gotten maximum points against Liverpool. Um, I think 10 or 15 minutes into the game, they were two goal up against... West Ham and just just when uh, Declan Rice nicked the ball from Thomas Partey, it was like all hell let loose in the London Stadium. So it was it, it, it's quite unfortunate that um, their tussle for the league is against a Man City team that is almost flawless. But there's something that we still need to take into consideration: is the fact that Man City. Uh, also gone in for two different competitions. Yes, it might look like um, Man City are in better positions in those competitions. Suddenly, Man City is looking like the favourite in the Champions League. Though you can't take away the fact that if um, if the second leg of the Champions League goes the way or uh, similar to they will be facing a Real Madrid side that is also uh, a very dominant force in the Champions League. But I think that might also come in in, in nine days' time, they'll be facing each other. And the result in that game is very integral. Like Pep Guardiola calls it, he calls it um, the Premier League Cup Final, which I think rightly is. Because per adventure, I know the, the odds of that happening is very slim. But let's say Arsenal wins against... Man City, it, it kind of blows the league in their favor again. So, and considering that City, um, Guardiola has done almost everything in City except the Champions League, I feel like that was one of the reasons why Elianlad was taking off um, the Leicester game early because that is more of a priority for them. The kind of so that might come into play the eventual outcome of the league, which. I think at this point, it's just um, all hope, prayers, and vibes for the Arsenal side. Because even if you look, if you ask the fans, the confidence within the fans is at all-time low. Now now imagine what is happening in the dressing room. I, I know the absence of Sichenko was, um, was also one of what I called um, an Achilles heel to... What, what happened against West Ham. But this is the time that they need the experienced hands. They need psychologists in that dressing room. They need to talk sense into everybody. Because I think mentally, immediately I saw Saka on the spot kick, I just felt he was going to miss it, which is a very terrible sign. It shows that, okay, 
they are beginning to crack under pressure. So we need the big boys to actually lift them up and, and be like, you know what? We can actually do this. We just need to win our game. But that's almost the same thing that Dezebi does in Brighton. He doesn't tell them, you know what? If we get a draw, no, no, you'll be like, you know what? We are going out to win this game. If, even if we are playing Chelsea, we don't care. We want to win this game. Even if we are playing United, we want to win this game. If we are playing Newcastle, we want to win this game. And that is the particular mentality and the approach that Arsenal has to go in. Um, even from the Premier League, because really there's madness happening in Italy for those that are not paying attention. Juventus have a 15 points deficit that has already been deducted. And for some reason, they are fought. And to look matters worse, Napoli decided on Saturday that, oh, this is getting boring. Let's draw points. All right. And Inter decided, yeah, it's nice. Let's draw points too. Let's do that too. A similar follows with like, yeah, we'll draw points too. But for some reason, Roma and Lazio seem to be the only consistent team. And you're wondering, okay, can Roma push, like, can Roma push Napoli from not to the end of the season for the title or smooth sailing Napoli? Well, it's honestly still smooth sailing Napoli because um, Roma are 19 points behind Napoli, which means they are eight games left. Napoli, if Napoli lose the next six and Roma win the next six, um, Napoli has two games to go. Like, Mm -hmm. it is so far behind. And I remember I tweeted um, this weekend that it says that Napoli are dropping points to make things interesting and the rest don't want to follow because Inter have lost five and four. And it's not like Inter have lost five in four to Napoleo. Inter are losing to Lecce, they're losing to Cremonese. They're losing to the teams in the bottom of in like basically in the relegation zone. Uh, Napo- uh, Milan have beat Napoli twice in the past ten days. They've not won any other matches like before after like the two weeks. They scored only two goals in the other game. It's it just feels like nobody is interested in doing anything. Um Juventus also had a chance. Okay, they, they they've been informed, they lost Pasolo. Uh, Rome, uh, you say uh, Roma and Lazio consistency. Even Roma have won three games in a row so far. And in the next three weeks, Roma will play Atalanta, they will play Milan, they will play Inter. So it does feel like those kind of things. And at this point, the way things are going now, those kind of those three games might go less with the way all those things are playing. At this point, it just feels like Napoli, Napoli should just relax and probably divert all their energy to the Premier League. Which is perhaps where the only world for Napoli is. Because you're like, okay, this deep reform is coming at the longest time. The fight is there, and the Osimen injury as well, even though he came back during the weekend. Which is probably the only issue they have. In terms of Syrah, I think, they, I think they've, they've won the league a long time ago, just to wrap it up. To be honest, it's, I just feel like it's, it's smooth sailing and no. No other team is even interested. Not even about trying that. They don't seem interested in winning the league at all. Um, even from the league, so the Champions League. Um, Bright mentioned the Champions League before, and the whole Man City. We, we all know what happened to Bayern. But please, is it a case of because when you're watching the game on paper, this that was looking like okay. I said on paper, when you're watching the game on TV, you're like okay, this game looks like the kind of thing. It's going to be a stiff encounter. Like both teams are cautious. Not nobody is too expressive. Try to make themselves out of their chances. Okay, since so you take a one nil, then you're like, okay, this is going to be a close game. But I might come back and equalize, or maybe they just take it to the second leg. Apparently, Upamecano had other plans. Like, okay, we will see what we have here. I have no interest in playing any competitive second leg. Just let me do whatever it is I want to do in this first leg. And two mistakes, which he made more than two mistakes, but out of the four mistakes that are about the key mistakes he made, two of them turned out to be key goals, and City have a three nil advantage. 
Yeah, and feel like this guy is there a bit because uh, okay, so I, I, if you say you feel sorry for Bayern because took a lot two weeks in this job to plan for this game. Basically, Guardiola has been here. I've been with this club for seven years, so there's a difference in quality. And there's this notion people have against Manchester for Manchester by they think it's just Tiki Taka. And against Bayern, you can tell they just they basically it was counter attack. Like they kept winning the, winning the ball in transition. And, that's how they played. But the second goal was the biggest proof of that. The way Grealish presses, the way Haaland runs his position. And I feel like the tie is done because if you can, even during the weekend, you can see that um, Bayern under Tukula, they are not coaching themselves here. And Manchester United, probably the answer that they come to me, the one thing you like, and it will take nothing short of a miracle for Bayern to even, not even those goals, even come close. At this point, even a miracle might not be enough. Um, LMJ in the other Champions League tie, one of the Champions League tie this this midweek. Milan have Milan seem to have okay, we've done the job at home, first leg, and now let's travel to Naples and see. Yes, there's a fit victory, Simon. But all we need now is to avoid defeat and we're home and dry. And you're wondering, okay, is the real Napoli going to turn up in this second leg? I feel um, the results of the first leg, uh, it, it it lays a very good foundation for Napoli to actually turn up. Because if you look at their first encounter in the league, uh, their last encounter in the league, I think like two weeks ago, where they went to the Maradona Stadium and they whitewashed them. Um, if that was what they replicated in the Champions League, I think would this would not even be up for discussion. But... The one, the one new um, first leg, it, it it lays a very good background for Osimen and Cole. Up something very special. If they can nick an early goal in that tie, they can easily build up on. They can easily build on that and drag the tie, or even win the tie at home. So I feel like if they if they turn up, also also consider the fact that. Usime Armstrong was one of the major reasons why they have not been coercive in the final third. Because when you when I watched that game against Ellen Verona, though a lot of key players were arrested, Zelinski did not start, uh, Chava too did not start, and all of that. But you could see that they lacked that that final touch in the in the final third. So I, I feel like with Osime back in the folds. And possibility of them being expressive like they used to be. My only fear is the fact that uh, Min is going to be suspended for that tie, and I don't trust Jesus to undo that defense alone. I so I'm a little bit skeptical, but I still wish Napoli wins that tie. Mm-hmm. Um, other Champions League ties, there's no point talking about Chelsea and Real Madrid because. Unless Chelsea are about to perform a miracle that we've not seen in a very long time. I don't see how they get past Real Madrid. Chelsea can't even get past themselves. So I'm not even going to bother myself. Um, as for Inter, they know that they take a tuning advantage to the San Siro over Benfica, hoping to complete, complete the job. Stranger things have happened. Uh, next thing you know, they show up at the San Siro and the Inter team that looked organized, disciplined, well-drilled in Benfica are looking like a shadow of themselves, like, the, like we saw on Saturday against Monza. You're wondering, there we go again. Yeah, I won't be surprised <laughs> if like, again, strangers have happened. And also, 
despite that they were solid and disciplined in Africa, a lot of the players they still depended on um, Onana. Andrew uh, Onana, yeah. Like, it, like the second half of the defense, like in particular, was basically had um, the same signs of the second leg this post whereby they were holding on um, the figure hit the post, the block one on the line, screen that block one, Onana saved one. So, and again, with was the lucky thing for them is that the figures come to has kind of dropped a bit because they lost they also lost in the weekend. But the uh-huh. figures also look at them and go, okay, this is in the lot of combination. We definitely have a chance. And if the figures score early on, maybe the first twenty minutes, I'm very sure that will be uneasy. And the whole discomfort will set in. I think one of the things Inter have had to go for them so far is the fact that they've not considered that like they are not considered this goal with Inter. They 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 not seem to really react to if the if the figures get something to react to. That's where the problem starts. That's where the question will be at. Um, uh-uh. Like a thief in the night, he just threw the... Good evening, my people. <laughs> Imagine you are putting Good evening, minutes to work <laughs> and you are telling your people at work that uh, good morning, you know. Traffic. I'm <laughs> Did anybody pass through, uh, what's it called today? I don't, uh, know, I, I don't know whether they are doing sacrifice at Bega or maybe they are doing uh, Uru at uh, Ibadan. But for some reason, <laughs> till now, I'm saying till two minutes ago, not maybe 20 minutes ago, the road is still blocked. Yeah, because of the construction, they streamlined the road to one lane. So it's going to, traffic is going to be crazy almost every other week. Yeah. Um, away from Nigeria's problem, <laughs> I was going to dive into the NBA playoffs when... Um, bullish working, but like we said, better late than never. Because there's a trade for those that don't know, there's a trade on the Yonaba Nelson Twitter account explaining the first round of the playoffs. And Bullish, the best way to describe this is like okay, the first round didn't disappoint because aside from the Denver Timberwolves game, where it looked like this is men against boys, the Timberwolves should not be here. Every other game had you on the edge of your seat, like okay, something is going to happen. This is a very, very competitive game. We saw some surprising results in the fact that okay, Miami took the first game. Yes, and it got injured. The Lakers found a way to grind out the win in, in Memphis, thanks to Austin Reeves and Rui Um, The Phoenix Suns lost at home to the Clippers, who were even without Paul George. And Russell Westbrook might have struggled with the shooting, but in terms of effort and rebounding, he was willing to give everything. Everything that we promise then to me the peak of the playoffs was watching it was the game between the goalies over and sacramento kings for those that don't know the kings increase their price tickets crazily like an nba record price tickets they've not been the playoffs since 2006 and you're wondering okay this is crazy but for the fans that happen to be in the arena and paid that amount of money to be there it's fair to say they got good value for their money well what can i say anytime it involves the warriors you know Always expect the best. That's the little, that's the little that I say about that. But as as you said earlier, it's, it's actually very exciting because some of the matchups we predicted, obviously they are going as planned. For example, for example, Boston is obviously going to dispatch of Atlanta. You know, Philly is going to dispatch of Sixers. We knew that coming to the playoffs. Those were the you know the like certain match, and then Denver you know, <clears throat> dealing with uh, Minnesota. He, he felt like Minnesota should have allowed other teams to come in and see what they could do because the old trade, every day that comes by, the trade between Rudy Gobert 
and Utah Jazz to from Utah Jazz to Minnesota continues to look more ridiculous, more more mm -hmm. stupid and more annoying. But that's by the way. The interesting part of the playoff is the fact that about four of the first round series, you are not sure what's going to happen, which is not a normality for first round playoffs because most times in the history, you always have situations whereby maybe 80% of the first round matchups are teams that you already know who's going to go through because you know the teams are seeded properly, meaning the number one seed is actually the best team, number two is the second best team, stuff like that. But you have a peculiar situation where you have a very, very scattered um, scenario where, especially in the West, the, the Clippers, if Paul George and Kawhi were, were not injured from the beginning of the season, they could easily have been the number two seed or number one seed. But they are the number five seed. So if you look at them as the number five seed, you'll be deceiving yourself. But the truth is, with the kind of squad they have, even without Paul George, with the depth in their talent, the pickups they made during the trade deadline, they picked up Eric Gordon, they picked up Ross Westbrook, they picked up Bose, picked up Bose Island, Mason Plumley. Those are four key guys that some teams that some teams we won't need them to start for them. So when you have you know a squad like that, it was always going to be difficult for a team that your bench is filled with uh, scraps and uh, junks from the metal yard material, metal yard, you know, Scrap yard. Where, you know where they, that's kind of things the Suns have on their bench. The Suns got only 10 points from the bench. That is be, like the below ridiculous. That's extremely ridiculous. So that's, that, I'm, I'm saying that's my own most intriguing matchup. You know why it is my most intriguing matchup anyway? It's because I know that this, the Warriors will win in five. So it's not going to be so much so intriguing going forward. The game one is the game one that you guys, you know, you know, Warriors gave you guys game one. So it's not look like ah, we will come out and say ah, the team is not good. We wanted you, we wanted them to show themselves so that the whole world will say, oh, this team is very good. So that by the time we beat them like Panepita, they will know that we beat them. It's not as if maybe uh, they we we good. No, no, they are a good team, but we are just you know good like that. So, but the Suns Clippers is actually that you know it could it can easily be a Western Conference Finals matchup. The fact that we are getting in round one is actually a disservice, but it's a good matchup to watch. The energy, the defense, the scheming, the rebounding, everything about that matchup just screams good. But the Lakers Grizzlies is a bit of anticlimactic because we already know that the Grizzlies are limited at the front line and they are going mm -hmm. to have trouble defending. Uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron. Davis. Because when you don't have Steven Adams and you don't have Brandon Clark, you already have a problem. Xavier Tillman can do his best, but he's an undersized guy that is not as smart defensively. Because if you're an undersized defender and you want to defend in the paint, you have to be extremely smart. You can't just because you can't just rely on your strength or your athleticism or anything. But it's not as smart as other undersized um, uh, rim protectors or defenders in the paint. So that's a big problem. But someone like Stigada will have held his own against and if West like that. So when you already have that deficiency, then you now have a situation where you're not even sure Jamarant is going to play a game two. If Grizzlies win two games in this series, then we really need to, their coach needs to, to ask for a race because that would mean that he did a very, very, very uh, super With job. or without um, Jamorant? Because, no, so the thing there is, even with Jamorant, I already, I already, if you see my, my prediction, I already felt like they were undermanned and it was going to be difficult for them. Yes, people say that uh, Lakers, how would they defend uh, Jamorant? But the truth is, you just need to keep 
putting bodies in front of him, he will get his 35, 40 points. But their half-court offense is one of the worst in the league. Or let's say mm -hmm. bottom tier half-court offense. They like to run, they like to do all those things, but mm. Lakers like to slow down the slow down the ball and then you know make things their own pace. So even with Jamorant, I wasn't feeling like I wasn't I wasn't feeling like they really had a chance like that because Jamorant is not going to defend Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis does not have the kind of game I was even expecting Anthony Davis to have for the Lakers to win. That means 35 points. 12 uh, rebounds. Bounce. I know that is both. Hit some five. I think he had about four blocks in the first quarter. I'm like, yes, this is dope. And if you have that kind of Anthony Davis, you have four points, in the, uh, four blocks in the first quarter. And then Achimura and Australians are giving you 20 plus points. Then you might not. Okay. You, you, have, you have hit me on the head now because Desmond Bain of the um, Memphis Grizzlies said that oh, the Lakers were lucky that he's pretty sure that Rui Achimura and Austin Reeves will not repeat that kind of performance come Wednesday. So, by saying that, he also has to look at the fact that some of the other players are more capable of what they did, meaning Anthony Davis can easily give you 34. You don't have mm -hmm. any... Javier Tillman is not going to defend Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, if you foul him, he's a 80% free throw shooter. So you go to the line, you will make 10 out of 14, you will score an additional 22 points, and then you are, you are dead. So there's no being saying that it's just uh, it's a, it's, it's the, one of the problems that they have, not looking in their own mirror and looking at themselves. You know, and, look, and, and looking at, okay, what can they do and trying to look for excuses. Yes, Austin Reeves and Achimura might not give you 20 plus um, points, but the way series have been playing from the last month of the season till now, I might not be sure. Osiris might actually be that guy that can continually give you that kind of production. There's a reason why he moved into the starting lineup. But the truth is, Beasley shots, is it 0 for 3 or 1 for 3? Mm -hmm. I know. But I bet on Beasley to, to score 3 three pointers. And so his average is 3 4 three pointers per game. So Beasley too is not going to shoot. Zero or one from zero, zero, you're not going to give you zero three pointers. They, 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 you have a game where Beasley will go for 20 points. So it, it doesn't have to be Achimura, but Lakers have the kind of supporting cast that can do, that can replicate something similar to what's happening. Anyway, I remember that I was dragging us at the beginning of the pod. The reason why I said, why we predicted Lakers might not make the play for the end of the season is that they had a, a team full of G League players. And Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. Um, <laughs> kudos to uh, Rob Pelinka for making those moves before the trade deadline. And because without getting players like the Russell, now. This is not the yeah, exactly. I'm saying. This this season. Yeah, you know, for the guys like Achimura, um, Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, and Candy Legs that came in midway through, um, just before the end of the trade, trade deadline. The Lakers will not even be in the play, not even talk about the playoffs. Um, yeah. But, 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 sorry, sorry. Okay. My, my point exactly was, there was a lot of doubts about this trade. Like, and a lot of you shied on this trade initially on the podcast. I don't like, think uh, so. You know, we are no, nobody said, I don't think nobody did that on the trade. Like, the minute D'Angelo Russell came in, the trade will not the beginning no. of the season. The minute D'Angelo Russell came in, we all knew that. We knew it was a better fit for the Lakers than Westbrook because um, Gilo doesn't need to attack the paint. He can shoot. Um, Malik Beasley can shoot. Riachimura, they don't need to attack the paint. They don't need the ball to be effective like Westbrook does. Those are players that... 
So I don't think it's a trade that we came in and we're like, oh no, no. Yes, the Lakers improved during the trade. It's not it wasn't and a joke. LeBron's just... career. LeBron has had 20 years in the NBA. And there's mm-hmm. one there's one recipe for mm-hmm. success with LeBron since he has got into the league. So LeBron, and about those shoot shooters. So nobody mm-hmm. could have seen the trade with Grizzly, Achimura, you know, um Russell, like above average three-point shooters, at least better than Russell Westbrook and say it will not work. Even when they went to the finals before, it was having a score like that, where you have Cadwell Pope, you have Kuzma, Caruso. you have guys in the perimeter that can make their three-point shot. So, that is the formula for getting the best out of a LeBron your team. So, when they had that team with Ross Westbrook and the G League Farmers, we knew that that was not going to make it well. So, that is the team that made that. This team is Lakers 2022, 2023 season 2.0. <laughs> um, if I leave the NBA, I know Bullish is bullish about the fact that the Warriors would win and um the the Kings Sacramento Kings are just oh it's an exciting match or blah 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 they are just excited but bullish when you look at it we still have to give them credit whether that happens or not they are on folks hey, you can send them with that card can send them, <laughs> them, can send them blue. I don't want I, this, this is not a good spot I'm sorry you can send them uh, uh, my head head lighter Richard card whatever whatever you can go to your account you drag me the dragon, the dragon will be so aggressive. You guys go out around. You can you can transfer your time to them. Yeah, go ahead. That's your that's your priority. I'm not going to stop Ellen. you from doing that. But the, the warriors, uh, warriors are just one injury away from the, from a major disaster. Eleven, I don't think you should bet your money on the warriors not winning this series, chat. That's just my own advice. I'm not I'm not I'm not betting I'm not betting on the warriors not winning this series, but okay. you know we, we all know the playoffs and I think his, his, his trade was well written, except when I saw the fact that he said uh, that, uh, that they were going to sweep. And I was like... Said, no, he said gentleman mm, sweep. Gentleman sweep, that's five. That's four. No, no, no. no. Gentleman sweep. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Yanis and, and the Miami Heat. Okay. I'm not even talking about... I'm talking about okay. Yanis and Miami Heat. And I was like... Jimmy Butler, uh, play of Jimmy Butler is different from regular season Jimmy Butler. And we know how mismatched the box can get, especially when this is not going that way. I just hope that the back injury to Yanis is not as serious as it might look. But we all know that the playoff is a recipe for disaster. One thing can just go wrong and the whole season is wrong. Now, mm-hmm. buying the Phoenix Sun, that I know they are markers as much as I love Booker and a couple guys on there. 18 has, has just has just decided to be an ass. And well, it is what it is. So my, my rebuttal to why I pick um box. No, I think it was it was Celtics. I said I was comfortable predicting that they will sweep. So I, I, I know I didn't pick box to sweep, maybe gentleman sweep, but I'm, I'm sure I didn't pick box to sweep because I respect a response try too much to do that. It was it was Celtics and Hawks that I felt like. That matchup with the way Celtics are playing, they have a point to prove. They were literally 30 points ahead in the first half. So I think it was Celtics mm-hmm. I said could sweep. But for the box matchup, I still feel like if Giannis was available in that game one, they'll still have won the game one. Reason why I say that is that there used to be a time where you could just like one of the like three seasons ago when Miami just built a wall and you know they were they were able to wall off um Giannis. Giannis. Mm. But the problem you have now is that 
You can't play two on one or three on one with Yanis now because that time Chris Middleton was not as effective as he is now. That's not how well. And then Drew Holiday can actually make the game simple for the other guys. So even if you build a wall around Yanis, all Yanis needs to do is attract his double team, swing the ball to Drew Holiday, and then they can make quick. Uh, Drew Holiday can make quick decisions. Either drive to the basket, find open guys. So. If Yanis was on the court, I, the, 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 the pathway for Miami to actually take that game yesterday was very difficult. But if you miss a 30 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, uh, 4 blocks player in your playoff team, it's, it will be difficult for you to win. And you have to actually adjust. So game 2 might be different. The box might come back, you know, and maybe win game 2. But... That game one it was always going to be difficult to you know come out of that game one with a victory. But rebuttal, I did not uh, say uh, box are going to sweep. I respect. You may, um, it was a, it was a close game. Chris Middleton dropped thirty. He, like despite just returned from injury not too long ago. Like without Yanis, it was obvious that okay the box would. But the way I see it is Yanis returns for this series full uh, fit not even, it doesn't have to be fully fit but at least fit enough I still expect the Bucks to get past the Miami especially considering the fact that they might lose Tyler Hero for the rest of this series so I don't see where their shooting will come from because players like Gabe Vincent Max Struess who came to the party yesterday they don't play well every game in the playoffs adjustments are made during the playoffs teams plan for you during the playoffs like they look at the first game and like okay this is what you were doing you would have to repeat it again there's a reason why there are levels to it in the playoffs. Like, you would have to show us that, okay, it wasn't a one-off. Um, is Kule still with us? Yeah, I mean. Okay, um, Kule, away from the whole playoff itself, because now why are things like um, Ted Bully is marching into the dressing room to go and talk to the players that, hey, I spent 600 million. You might as well not <laughs> play rubbish for me. What kind of madness <laughs> is it? Eh? I brought Lampard here for a few good factor. So that the fans can smile. Did he what? carry him? Did he okay to the dressing room? <laughs> Did he okay? He just walked in. See? I spent six hundred billion and all this. Is one the dressing room is not even big enough to accommodate all the players that Chelsea have, which is a problem. That is a massive problem, like the athletic reported. Now you have owners coming into the dressing room to come and talk to the players and like, hey, I spent money. I believe in you guys. The reason why we brought you in is to play. I'm not doing it. And I'm just wondering, like, all this cacophony of bad decisions whereby we're bringing in Lampard. I said it and I will stick to it. You might as well have stopped with Graham Potter and you are doing this dance. And to the end of the season, like, you know what? Now do this dance. And to make matters worse, there's no clear and obvious manager that you want to appoint. Today, oh, we like Enrique. The reports will come at time like, we just really like Enrique, they want him. Tomorrow, oh, Nagusman is the guy. You need to know what direction you're going. These are two different styles of managers. Like, this whole, I don't even know who the chief executive of Chelsea is. Someone posted something on Twitter that when Roman Abramovich brought Chelsea back in 2003, what he decided was, okay, I'm not, I don't know how to run a football club. I don't know how to run a football club. What I would do is I'll go and get the best in class. And the best in class is Peter Kenyon for Man United. He wanted Fergie, but that obviously wasn't going to work. But Kenyon came in and built the entire structure. Now, Chelsea can't seem to get one decision right. Even Man City. Yeah, it's like... He yeah. brings from Barcelona to run the club. Yeah, but Man City, Man City basically laid out the ground for Guardiola the moment the new owner took over. So they had seven years to prepare for Guardiola and they prepared well. And the way Chelsea uh, is, is run, like, is the level of seriousness regarding because 
Sweden, I found out that first of all, Lucharike was available and actually wanted a job now. So the whole point of um, what Lucharike was not the point of saying you want Lucharike, whereby Lucharike said, What job are you like? No, no, not now. You know what I'm going to do? We need someone who can motivate the squad. We need to bring the person that finished, the person that lost the last five games with Everton. Like, literally, because of Everton being the relegation battle now. Let's bring the manager that, that, was, that left us in nine, two years ago. Let's just say, okay, let's let's run with that. Let's see if we can motivate the player. Like, I watched the game against Brighton at the weekend, and frankly, I thought it was um, Brighton and Deserve should have, like, offered the issue warning to his players because he should have won against 6 0, not 2 1. Like, it felt like Chelsea did not know how how football works. Like, the 11 players, the MVP did not know what was happening. Because they just stood there like, okay, let's just play. Because last week, they lost to Madrid, and Lampard came out and said, he did, we did not know how good Real Madrid were. Like, even the person that was in Madrid, you're like, said, we did not know how good Real Madrid were. It's a team that's won the Champions League 14 times. It's in the current, <laughs> the current he's, Spanish and European he's smoking, he's smoking, he's smoking his boss's weed. He just normal stuff. Like his, his, boss, his boss said they are Chelsea. They don't need to do anything. They will always qualify for the Champions League. So, at this, at this point, they are closest to religions in the Champions League. Like, um, Christopher does not have a manager three games ago. Christopher has only three points behind Chelsea. That is how bad the situation is right now. Just, like, three points behind. And honestly, well. at this point, because if you are a player, honestly, if you are a player in dressing room, and you are like, okay, you saw the news. What does it get? They don't get Lucy Ricky and they need get it. Lampard can get it. Nobody's serious then. Let's just forget it. Um, whoever it is that is playing music and listening to Dr. Steve's song, she please, I forgot your audio. Um, LMJ, report came out today that after dancing around the bush and telling fans that, oh, you know what? Once we saw my United now, what don't you people? You don't like us, we don't like you. We are going, want to collect our money, six billion. Now, the report came out um, earlier today that, oh, the Glazers, especially the two brothers running things at Man United, Joel and Evram, were like, um, let's, let's not say, Jerry, let's just look for an investor that will invest money in. They will continue <laughs> to run things, then the network will continue to increase. Is it a case of, okay, Man United fans just want investment to come in? They don't mind whether the Glazers, like two Glazers brothers, continue to run things, then partner with some investors. Or the Glazers have to be gone completely. Like, let them just go first. I think, I think I speak for a very large percentage of United fans when I say we just want them to be gone first. Uh, they should just go first and let us sit front. It's the fact that as owners of the club and uh, with, all re- with all due respect to American owners who actually understand the sport, a lot of American owners don't the sport at all. Like an African owner, somebody like Dangote will probably do better than a lot of American owners. And that is just the basics. Like, they, even though it's a business, but they don't understand the cultural part of football as a sport. And that is where the actual problem creeps from. Like, if, 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 um, if the Glazers had been running the club in the best interest of, of the club as a business and the, the club as a brand, as a as a British football brand, as one of the biggest British football brands, there wouldn't have been any issue. It's the fact that, first and foremost, they bought the club on leverage, 
on massive billions of dollars of debt. They listed the club on the stock exchange and made more money out of thin air. Almost like the central bank does. So it is it is leverage upon leverage upon leverage that is suffocating the club as a brand, as a cultural brand. The fact that a, a stadium like Old Trafford that is considered a museum of football leaks on match day whenever it's raining. Like it's not even small leak, it's like Tafa Balewa Stadium kind of. And the toilet is like, now leaking too. Like toilet is now leaking. Like like is like it, it is it is actually embarrassing when you think about it. Like when you think about it on a granular level. And so it, it is not it's not the fact that fans want I know there's there's this um meme of uh, oil money, oil money. It's not even about the oil money. It, it's the fact that the guys in charge I forgot the name of this Newcastle owner too. That was he was funny thing that that guy Mark that lad was Mark Ashley. He was a British guy. But Baba, Baba was just drinking booze. He, sometimes he would come to the to the stadium half naked. Like like this guy clearly was just catching crew. But the Glazer side, they are catching crews on the fact that you know what we can always. This brand is a big brand. We can always borrow on this brand. We can always make more money and we we'll go and pump it to our our US. Um, football teams and all of that. So it, 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 that is just the major issue, is the fact that even when private investors come in, they will part the stats, they will take this money, they would not invest the money into the basis and fundamental of the club, youth level, female football, that is not what, they, they don't care about that. They just care about how much Adidas is going to write them, the next check that Adidas is going to write them, whosoever the slip sponsor is going to be, like silly, silly things. That is just what they are. So, I think I speak for the fans when I say we just want them gone so that we can have like a little breath of fresh air. At some point, the fans are probably going to have to wake up of their seats and whatever glazers out. I know they're having a good season. Yes, they have they have injuries and they have a make or break week this coming up. At some point, the fans are going to have to step up and be like, yeah, we need to protest to get this report because the way it's looking, I don't think those two Glazer brothers are planning to leave. Um, Bullish to the NFL because just before we came on air earlier today, we saw that Jalen Hurts is hurting. No, it's not hurting anymore, actually. Money is in the bank accounts. Everything is looking nice. And it's, a, it's not the perfect deal, but it's a great deal because signing... The 255 million for five years, 51 million per year, with almost 180 million in its guaranteed with incentives as well to take it over 255 million. At this point, we one we have to praise his agents. Who is, who is, she became the first female black female agent to have a quarterback, a, a quarterback as a client to play in the Super Bowl. She's the president of um, football operations at Clutch Sports. Like on, on paper, like everything just seems like a win-win situation for both the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Because the last thing you want to do is to is to get into a, a quarterback, uh, what they call that thing, where you're having a disagreement with your quarterback. That's mm-hmm. why it's important. It's a win-win for both parties because, number one, our I, I Roseman has shown that as the Eagles GM, he will continue to make the team better. You continue mm-hmm. to be creative. You continue to look for, you know, gems. You know, some players that were caught somewhere, that were left somewhere, some free agents, and then they will come and become stars in Philly. So he has shown that ability. That. So you, as a quarterback, you know that I Roseman will always do the do the best to put forth the best team. And then you, as 
the Eagles, you've seen this guy go from second round pick uh, okay. draft to mm-hmm. uh, get beating the first the the first uh, the starter to the job to take it to the team to the playoff, getting beat by Tom Brady, then getting to the Super Bowl and even losing to Mahomes. I think everyone will agree that if other, any other quarterback other than Mahomes was probably playing in that Super Bowl. They probably would have won. So it looks like upsides for everyone. Knock on wood, except for injuries. It looks like it's a a ready-made deal. And the truth is, it's good for the Eagles to do the deal now. Why? Because Joe Burrow and Jalen, what's the name of these Chargers? Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert are coming up. And you don't want to be the one I didn't do the deal now, and I have to do the deal after Jobro signs his deal. Because the truth is, Jobro's deal is probably going to be more than this. Uh, of course, next uh, one. Deal. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you, both parties know that this is our quarterback, we want you to stay here. We want you to focus on being LG, doing everything right, and making sure that everything works for us. We want you to focus on winning. We don't want you to start thinking of anything else. So why not do it now? That's the that's the mistake, and the and the. On the misunderstanding with, um, with I'm uh, in they could have done this deal two years ago. He was eligible for an extension two years ago mm-hmm. when Josh Allen got his deal. They could have done the deal, signed the agreement, and then now both parties will be happy. And then the probably will probably be in his third year of his fifth deal. But they didn't do it. They waited for the contract to expire, which is a very, very, like, ridiculous decision. It's one of the most, you know, you have to use the word dumb. Because you have an MVP quarterback. Sense, it says that you should tie him up and then get... So if you have done that, even if Sean Watson comes in and gets these two uh, 33 million fully guaranteed contracts, it doesn't concern mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Tie down your quarterback. So it's a good thing for the Eagles. It's a good thing for Jalen Hurts. They obviously look like the best team in the NFC. Yes, the Cowboys made some wonderful additions already in the offseason, but you trust that the Eagles will do well in the draft, you know, probably get... Uh, I, I, what, what they probably are lacking is maybe a defensive tackle because they lost two guys on, two guys on, yeah, the, on, on the defensive, on that defensive line, yes. And, but they already had two guys in the, you know, in the team that were not playing as much, that were in line to actually start. So, the, so they... They literally had some guys already last year that were, you know, that played a very few snaps, but people were already pointing to them that, ah, this guy is going to be solid when he joins the uh, front line. So it's, it's a good one for both parties. Um, then it begs the question of, you mentioned Lamar Jackson and Baltimore Ravens earlier. Now, there was a report, like, um, on Rappaport, Rapsheet, as it's popularly known, said on um, Pat McAfee's podcast, uh, the Ravens are planning to offer Lamar Jackson a deal that would make that would offer him 200 million guaranteed, not the entire contract, 200 million guaranteed. Now the Ravens keep making this mistake of oh, don't worry, we'll offer you, we'll not offer you. Now if you're Lamar Jackson, you come to the table and be like, hey, you've seen Jalen Hurts, right? He has 51 million per year now. I'm the next man of my own is 52. The um, the Ravens are behind the eight ball again. And we also heard reports over the weekend. The reason why the Ravens signed Odell Beckham Jr. was because Lamar Jackson said, oh. Whether, whether that is true or not, so that's yet to be confirmed. But because we believe some people reported that Lamar Jackson told them that okay, sign Odell and um, the Andrew Hopkins, and then we'll talk. But, now, Polish, is it enough for them to say, okay, we have Odell now, come and talk? 
Well, at least we have one skill because let's not deceive ourselves. The Ravens are filled because of how good Lamar Jackson is with his legs. They are filled to, other than Mark Andrews. They've all they failed to put talent like wide yeah. receivers talent around him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, not and, and apart from even putting talent around him, they failed with their scheme also. Greg Roman mm-hmm. was was you know he was running 1970 offense with uh, Lama Jackson, when everyone has moved to the West Coast offense, where, you know, people are you know, making throws, throwing more, and then even the, 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 the kind of designs that they have is a bit different from what other uh, offensive coordinators are doing. So the first thing they did, which makes sense, is to fire the offensive coordinator, uh, mutual agreement, and then bring in a newer offensive coordinator, coordinator who I think was the offensive coordinator for Georgia Tech. Then you are brought to the Beckham. It's not enough. I think they have a top. They have a first round pick, mm-hmm. so they can still draft another receiver. You know, to that receiver room. I think their, their offensive line is obviously solid. It's one of the best in the league. Their what's it called? Uh, their defense, maybe not the old the days of old. Still, you know, one of the best defenses in the league. So, you, it's easier to remedy the situation. But I think the only thing is understanding what Lama Jackson wants and trying to have a conversation, a proper conversation with him. Because if I don't think it was a case of just um, I want to be the highest paid. I think it was a case of fully guaranteed contract. So there needs yep. to be that understanding. Okay, we cannot offer a fully guaranteed contract. This is all we can offer you. Obviously, you cannot offer him anything less than what Jalen Hurts is getting because it's not yep. going to fly. So, the, but the, the point is now how much guarantees that that is that is the so if they're going to match that 200 million guarantee, if they're going to give you 200 million guarantee and say they are going to give him 260 200 million guarantee. The problem is Lama Jackson has said the highest they've offered him is 133. The mm-hmm. Ravens have said have leaked to some uh, press guys that they said they offered him uh, guarantees of 175. So I think now they need to since they're meeting some because there's no way they pay. Odell, it's a 50 million guaranteed if they were not planning to talk to Lamar and get the deal done. So, but there are also reports that they might okay, they are, they are having some of these rookie quarterbacks come to their facilities this week. Oh, boy, yeah, maybe you know what they call Flapapa. Papa. You know, <laughs> Flapapa. That's what they are doing. You see, you what you go and go and ask Chicago, okay. okay after you say you want to review, you understand. Even if you draft number one of our pick, you like New York Jets or number two, like New York Jets, you are still begging a 40 year old Aaron Rodgers, Joe, Joe, Shanua, just two years, eh? just give or us two years. Or as the Cleveland Browns, I just like. So, Yuki, see, even the established, you know, sweet number one picks that everybody's thinking, oh, this one will make sense. Like the. The uh, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. It's not sure. Mm-hmm. Those people have deficiencies in their games. So one is too small. It's not that big. One is not as fluid as the other one. Like there's so many things that you have to do. If you go and do all those ones, it'll be like you, you go five, six years, and you still be you know trying to find your feet. Because the truth is, you are in the AFC. You are not. You are not in the NFC. You can't afford to be dilly dallying. You have a Mahomes that is going to be there for the next 10, 15 years. You have a Joburo that lived there for the next 10, 15 years. You have a Josh Allen that was there for 10, 15 years. You have a Josh Trevor that Trevor Lawrence that's lived there for the next 10, 15 years. I've mentioned how many quarterbacks now. I've five. mentioned five. I've not mentioned T. 
think remind I don't mention Russell Simmons. Russell. I don't mention uh, what's the name of this guy in uh, what's what's this other thing. So I've mentioned five quarterbacks in your conference in the ASC alone that you have to go through. So by the time you think about it and you do two plus two is cost to four, you will give yourself a brain. So I think they'll get the deal done. Ah, anyway, um, it's been a packed episode, despite the fact that Bullish came in late. His insights have helped us with the players. Um, like I said earlier, there's a thread on the on about Northern Twitter accounts regarding the NBA playoffs. And for those that are into movies and enjoying the especially Nigerian movies, and there's a review written by Kulia about the about gangs of Lagos on the on about Northern Week site and on Twitter as well. So please feel free to continue to catch up on as many information as you need, both on our Twitter, Instagram accounts, and on the websites. Um, thank you so much, guys, for being here. Till Monday, the playoffs continue tonight. Bullish with Brooklyn Nets, trying to find a way to even the series and what have you, but we all know that we'll go. LMJ, please greet the white people and the money for us. Send funds. And uh, before <laughs> I go, I think Bullish was not here last week when we started talking about this. I think he joined later, so I don't really remember. Um, we are transitioning to video, like LMIJ has spent the funds and have secured at least um, streamable, we'll be able to use streamable for a year. So hopefully by the start of next month, we'll, start, we'll transition fully from audio to having both audio and video capabilities. So <laughs> and anyway, um, to our listeners out there, please have a lovely week ahead. Thank you all so much for listening. Cheers, guys.